Hey listeners, today's episode is on Bible magic, and I wanted to take a second to talk a little bit more before we jump into the episode. So the first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to discuss the misconceptions about the Bible because I come across so many people who have a strong attraction to Mary, to the saints, to Jesus, or heritage, bloodline, ancestry in those fields, but the stumbling block is the Bible. And so often is because they have been taught the Bible is supposed to be seen or used in a certain way. However, what I talk about is how did the early Christians, how did the early mystics use the Bible? What was the Bible really intended for? So we talk about that. The second part we talk about is using the scripture in your practice. So using scripture for protection, using scripture for luck, for prosperity, for healing. Though we get really folksy with it, we talk about how to use scripture to ensure someone who owes you money pays you, to ace a job interview. Now, I wish I did a few more of those. I wish I did a couple more. Here is a scripture to use for blank. However, I have three episodes already on psalm magic and I felt like it would have gotten a little repetitive. However, what I'm gonna do is I'm going to put an overview in the show notes. And if you're a member of Patreon, we will build that out even further on the Patreon in the coming weeks. So you'll have a lot more scripture to use in your practice, though much like the psalm episodes, it's not always about the historical traditional usages. Yes, there is a tradition of using Ezekiel for healing, though you might come across a line in Job about healing uh, that you could also use in your practice. Either way, I'll share some more as an overview here in the show notes and on the Patreon. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about in this episode is divination, using the Bible, bibliomancy, to divine, or Lexio Divina, using the Bible to get messages from the divine. Both are really interesting. Bibliomancy would be more specific, you know, should I date this person? Should I take this job offer? Where Lexio Divina is more abstract. It's here's scripture. What is the divine trying to say to you right now? Very beautiful practice. I've been doing a lot of that. I'm going to do a series on the Patreon on Lexio Divina because I've been having a lot of fun with it. So I hope you enjoy this episode and you can expect more stuff like this. Uh, I feel like I could have, like I said, spent a little more time in the actual scripture usage in your practice. So we'll do some more fun stuff on the Instagram, on future episodes, and on the Patreon. Nonetheless, I still feel like I gave you a lot of good things to work with in this episode. I enjoyed making it, and I'm sure this will be the first biblical episode of many. Thank you again for listening and enjoy. It would be foolish of us to believe that God speaks to each of us in the same way. God spoke to Job out of the whirlwinds, out of chaos, Moses from the burning bush, St. Francis as a crucified angel, and Jacob as a fierce warrior, God wrestled Jacob to the ground. And yet, we are all expected to find God in the same way. We have been taught to approach God theologically, philosophically, 
And that is why I have so many listeners who love Mary, they love the saints, they love Jesus, but they are confused or even reviled by the theological teachings of the church. Because we are taught that theology with our minds is the only way to find God. And that simply is not so. The great desert fathers and mothers who exiled themselves into caves with nothing but prayer beads and a Bible, they certainly were no dogmatic scholars. They were just people yearning to commune with God. Philosophy meant very little compared to personal communion and personal feeling. Even the cloistered monks and nuns who chant psalms and contemplate the mystical meanings of scripture all day, they aren't told to contemplate the scripture, but you have to only believe it in a certain context. No, because God will speak to each of them in a unique way. The teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola, he even taught that God can come forth in your own imagination and speak to you in the depths of visualization the personalization, the unique telling, the unique personal revelation that is also found in the Holy Bible. However, unfortunately, the Bible is often used as a weapon or the Bible has been misconstrued as a sole means of truth. But it's none of those things. The Bible has always been intended as a way to reveal to you as an individual things that will help you in your own personal path. So when you read a line in the Bible, when you read a verse, it does not matter what St. Thomas Aquinas thought, St. Augustine of Hippo thought, your preacher thought, the Pope thinks, what matters is what you think. How is it speaking to you? And similarly, just like the Psalms, there is a rich tradition to write down a verse on a piece of paper, burn the paper and use those ashes for healing, to place the verse under a candle with a saint, to pray it over a wound, to put it above your door for protection. This is another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue, and I am your host, W. From a folk magic standpoint, such as hoodoo and southern conjure, the Bible is beloved by all. For scriptures, psalms, and passages can be used for healing, for protection, and more. The Bible can also be used for divination and granting insight from the divine themselves. However, theologically, the Bible is a stumbling block for many. And this podcast has taken a few turns and thus, it has a few audiences. Some of you listen for insights on the spooky, on the magical, on the mystical. Some of you listen to try and learn how to carve out a path for yourself that includes saints, that includes Mary, that includes Christ, but not so much the dogma of the church, or for my take on how elements of magic are actually inherent to Catholic thought. And some of you might be here for a little bit of everything. So the Bible is a tricky topic, but let's start with the theological 
takedown and breakdown of the Bible. Now, my whole practice, and I've repeated this quite a bit, my whole practice centers around a personal simplicity with Christ, with saints, with Mary. It has little to do with church teachings and dogma, though throughout my journey I have found that actually most of what I believe in practice is perfectly in line with it. But there comes a time to reconcile your beliefs, your mystical, magical beliefs with the historical and traditional. So let's dive in. The first thing I want to get across about the Bible was that the Bible was never intended to be taken literally. The Bible was simply a culmination of the most popularly read Christian texts during the time, and they were put into one volume. The non-biblical texts were not banned, they were not forbidden because the Pope wanted to safeguard secrets. It was simply taking the ones that were most popular and putting them into one volume. They did not say you cannot read these other ones. In fact, a lot of the non-biblical texts are still used in Catholic and Christian thought. Things like the age of Joseph, things like how Joseph met Mary, the names of Mary's parents. Those are all non-biblical texts. Going off on a tangent though. So main point here, is the Bible was never intended to be taken literally, it was just a compilation. So, early church fathers though, um, like Origen of Alexandria, who would influence the great Cappadocian fathers like Basil and John Chrysostom, John Chrysostom, that's always hard for me to say, whose liturgy is still used in churches globally, um, those men all taught that the Bible was meant to be read in three ways. One, historically, so things that really happened, and they are in there because they really happened. An example of this would be the great exodus or Christ's birth. The second one would be morally. So lessons that can be conveyed, the Beatitudes, the golden rule, the 10 commandments. And then the last one is spiritually. So the three are historical, moral, spiritual. So spiritual, these are symbolic insights that you can garner from certain passages. Adam and Eve, their banishment from the garden can simply be symbolic or metaphoric as humanity moving further away from God. Or Christ raising Lazarus from the dead could be how Christ's teachings can bring us back to spiritual life, or his death and resurrection would free souls to heaven. In other words, bringing them back to life above. Now, this isn't to say that the symbolic cannot be historical. I'm not saying that at all, but sometimes, yes. Sometimes things are purely symbolic and the early church fathers knew this and they believed this. And this was the way Christians read the Bible for thousands of years. It actually was not until the Protestant Reformation that we saw the rise of what is called sola scriptura, which basically means that the Bible, not the Pope, is the true source, the sole decider of church teachings. And this makes everything lose nuance. So for instance, let's take Leviticus. That is the main text folks love to cite when we talk about rules. Don't get tattoos, don't eat pork, and of course, don't be gay. Now, this story here is about tribes looking to rebuild and repopulate the earth. That's what the book is about. 
So when these rules come out, they all have a meaning. They are usually health related. That's why where the pork comes in or the tattoos that that would also be ways to ensure that you are the tribe is sticking together. And when they say a man should not lay with another man, that was not a cry against homosexuality. Instead, it was a promotion to procreate. So Sola Scriptura would focus on those rules, period, instead of the entire narrative of the Bible. And that makes us lose all nuance in the entire narrative. Because again, the Bible was not intended necessarily to be a source of truth, instead a story. And then later we're going to talk about how it still can be used for mystical insight, but it was not meant to be this guidebook that is so commonly seen. And again, I guess I should say I am not saying the Bible is not important. Very much is. I'm doing a podcast episode on it. But the Bible being the sole source of truth is very tricky. So then you had what is called the Great Awakening, which was a 1700s evolution of Puritanism. And this kind of joined that fire and brimstone preaching with sola scriptura, the word is the only way, which further crept into the Christian psyche. Unfortunately, um, these Protestant-leaning thoughts, they've even slipped into mainstream Catholic teachings too. I often hear people say stuff like, something is God's divine plan, and that's how they reconcile the problem of evil, right? This was God's divine plan. But that's Calvinism. That is predetermined destination, not Catholic teaching at all. But anyway, the thing is, the Bible was a collection of texts. It was meant for the reader to uncover mysteries from. You needed maybe not a pope, but at least a teacher to help you unpack its various thoughts in time. Um, so more examples of how it was never be meant to take in literally is simply the gospels. The gospels contradict one another and that makes a lot of evangelical Christians and Protestants uh, uncomfortable. Why do they contradict each other? Well, if you go back and look at the original meaning of the Bible, it's okay if they contradict each other because this was a compilation of texts that were meant to really just hold all the stories, the popularly read stories in one place. It is not meant to be this sole source of truth. It is just a collection of texts that are supposed to inspire you. So where am I going with this? Where I'm going with this is very simple. Once we get rid of the notion that the Bible is supposed to be read a certain way, once we get rid of the notion that the Bible is some kind of rule book, then it becomes a tool. Then it becomes a set of divine scriptures that are meant to speak to us in unique ways. Like I said at the top of the episode, Lexio Divina, which is sacred reading, that is supposed to be divine personal revelation to you. So once we get rid of this idea, the sola scriptura idea, that there is one particular way to interpret these texts, now the Bible can be used directly to you, interpreted how you need it for your journey. Of course, there are caveats. I am oversimplifying things. Theology is important, but we cannot lose the personal revelation aspect of it. So, Again, once we get rid of that, we have this personal tool that we can use. But also, we also can enhance our connection with God through the text. We can 
envelop a more spiritual presence. And once we connect with that spirit, that spirit can be used outward into what you may call magic. So we have talked about this concept before in the Psalms episode. I obviously use Psalms a lot in my practice. And these are prayers that have been used for generations, thousands of years, and they have this energy about them that they can be used spiritually. Psalms and scripture are used already in what you could call ceremonial magic in the mass, in the Roman ritual. So again, you can use these scriptures for protection, for healing, for many things, it's done every Sunday at church. So, I also love divination in the Bible. And I'm calling it divination, but things like Lexio Divina are stuff that monks do daily, and we'll get into that. But the Bible is a very powerful tool for divine revelation for your spiritual path, but also using the scriptures the same way you would use a psalm. All right, let's talk a little bit more about the popularization of what I'm going to call Bible magic, for lack of a better term. I don't really like the term magic because this is just spirituality. Uh, nonetheless, Bible magic does have its roots in hoodoo. However, it's not the synchronized voodoo African indigenous religions that we think. In fact, a lot of notable hoodoo practitioners were just good Christians. Many of them even led churches, often Baptist churches or some other form of Protestant churches. Um, these are all notable names within the hoodoo community. Um, Reverend Harry Hyatt, Mrs. Myrtle Collins, Alan Vaughn, the fabled Dr. Jim Jordan. These were all church leaders. They simply used the power of prayer, psalms, laying hands within their work. A lot of these pastors and deacons, they even wrote books on hoodoo while still preaching to their congregation. It was not considered witchcraft. It was not considered demonic. No, they would use psalms over people. They would light a candle for someone. They would pray a psalm over someone. So yeah, this is not witchcraft. This is just Christianity to them. So a big theme of this podcast is what you call magic is kind of inherent in Christian thinking. And here we're talking about hoodoo practitioners from typically a Southern Protestant context, but we can still trace those same beliefs back to the Catholic Church as well, because of course it was all an offshoot of Catholicism. But most of saint work in hoodoo is just good old Catholic novenas with some herbs and oils. You also inherently, as you all should probably know, have magic in the Bible. Every now and then a Christian says, okay, everything you're doing is witchcraft and evil. And then a lot of people love to pull up the following books, the following figures. Moses, of course, he parted the Red Sea. He spoke to God in the form of a burning bush. That's magic and divination and prophecy. Elijah raised the dead. A notable prophet, he left the earth on a fiery chariot. Joseph had the gift of prophecy and um, it led him to escape his captors, the Pharaoh had him a hostage. Aaron's staff turned to a snake a whole bunch of times. So there's plenty and there's plenty. And of course, Jesus, right? Healed the sick, raised the dead. Not only that, but the acts of the apostles, his apostles did the same thing. You also had grimoires, and I'm gonna tie this back to Southern Conjure actually. But you had grimoires, which are alleged spell books that were associated with Moses, 
Solomon, St. Cyprian, and a few others. Now, it's unlikely that these spellbooks were actually written by these individuals, but regardless, they had a mix of Christianity and what you might consider folk magic in these books. And these grimoires actually made it into the hands of hoodoo leaders through good old-fashioned mail order. Um, these books were actually compiled and available in spiritual catalogs for buying. So that's why when you start to see stuff like Solomonic magic actually was introduced by the hoodoo community, which I did not know about. So what my point here is that you did have a lot of early Christians that would practice what we call today hoodoo, or they might even have called it hoodoo then. But even if your priest or your pastor isn't influenced by textbook hoodoo, the simple gathering of people to chant a word of God, asking God to enter a space, laying of hands, igniting the spirit, speaking in tongues, healing, these are all very powerful, they are all very magical, and they are all very scriptural. Christ called all of his disciples, all of them, all of his children. So if you do not consider yourself a disciple, you still fit into that category of children. He called us all to heal, to cast out demons, and to perform miracles in his name, to perform magic in his name. So, much like Psalms, the easiest way to incorporate the Bible into your practice is to incorporate Bible verses into your practice. So much like my episodes on Psalm magic, you can use the larger Bible in the same way. Sometimes it's simply reciting a line of text, and that is enough. I talk about this in a lot of my Psalm episodes. Sometimes that's all I do. But you could also write a Psalm on a piece of paper, and then burn it and use the ashes that's usually done in protective uh, type workings or healing as well. If the person you're working on is cool with you putting ashes on their body, you could chant the line of, of text when you're stirring tea or coffee or water to infuse the water with that energy. And there is room for creativity in what calls you. A lot of the work I do if I'm doing a novena, I write a psalm out and then I place it under the candle. Or I'll write a psalm alongside a letter to the saint I'm working with. So again, going back to my folk magic essentials episode, going back to my remedy method philosophy, it's not always about doing things a certain way. It's the principles of it and a psalm, a scripture, any of that, it can be used in a lot of ways, whatever speaks to you. So some of my favorite ways to use the word. Again, my favorite is the Psalms, but we have a whole series on Psalms, so I'm going to stick to other biblical texts. Um, one of my favorites is if you have done a job, but you have not been paid. So what you do is you write a name of the person who owes you money, and then you write your name over theirs to form a cross. Now, you can dress the paper with a particular oil, often a money oil, even a road opening oil. A lot of botanicas or hoodoo shops will sell a give me my money oil. So of course that works. And now you write any of the following passages or all of them around your name. Leviticus 19.13, the wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. 
Proverbs 3.28 Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou haste it be by thee. Romans 13.4 Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due. A few things here. One, a lot of hoodoo workings, and a lot of this does have its basis in hoodoo. They use the King's James Version of the Bible. I probably should have given this at the top of the episode. Use whichever speaks to you. When I am doing psalm work, I usually use King James. When I'm doing study and meditation and reflection, I use NRSV. Um, and again, those are all scriptures that talk about earning wages, repayment. There might be another that falls in that category as well. This was a very interesting, a very folksy, a very hoodoo working. Um, if someone owes you money, that's that's kind of textbook hoodoo. And once you have this written down, there's a few things you can do with it. One, just carry it on you. That's always the easiest. You can put it in a mojo bag or a charm bag. You can also light it under a candle. Again, since this is a money working, you might want to use a green candle or a white candle. I love it because my source on this is Hoodoo Bible Magic, and they say if push comes to shove, you can also nail this letter to uh, to the person's door, which is pretty bold. The next one I really like, I'm sharing the most folksy, kind of unique ones. I'm going to give you a list of general ones in a moment as well. But another kind of folksy one I like is how to perform well in a job interview. So what you're going to do here is you're going to take a piece of paper and anoint it with crown of success oil, or you could probably use road opening oil as well. And then you're going to read Luke 11, 9, which is, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Beautiful. This could probably be used in a lot of road opening work as well, right? That's the that's the mindset I really want to push with any of this biblical psalmic work. What else could it be used for, right? I don't want, right? I want to teach you how to fish. I don't want to give you the fish to use the most tired analogy of all time. So yes, job interview, but that's a road opening opportunity for sure. Like that scripture is all about road opening, right? Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. This could be manifestation, road opening. This could be you're about to partake on a new project with work. You're about to, you're wanting to buy a house and you're hoping you get approved. You want to sell your house and you hope you want to get approved. A new creative endeavor. This could be a new relationship that you wanted to work out. This is a great road opening all the way, not just job interview, but also historically, uh, this has been used as a job interview working. Another thing I wanna point out is a lot of the hoodoo texts that I use for sources, they're just practitioners. And I love that. It's just practitioners, a lot of notable practitioners who just say, this is how I do it. This is how my family does it. And I think that is so beautiful because it reminds us that there isn't just a textbook way and like I've just been saying, this is a good example. Yes, that individual in the Book of Hoodoo, Bible Magic, they use this for a job interview, but someone else may use this for, you know, a, a new, a musician and they want, they're about to go on tour. You know, like it can be used for so many things. 
One that I really like as well, and I came across this in Corey Hutchison's New World Witchery. He's also talked about it in a podcast episode and on his Instagram. It's a favorite of his and it's a favorite of mine. Uh, so this is a blood-stopping spell. I talked about this in the Healing Psalms episode. And you simply pray Ezekiel 16.6 over the open wound, and that is... And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said, I said unto thee, when thou was thy blood live. Yeah, I said unto thee, when thou was thy blood live. So this is really interesting. It has a lot of lore around it as well, um, such as you can only use it once unless you teach it to someone else and then you can use it again. And I hear the workaround for that is you just say it in the mirror and that way you're teaching it to yourself again. That's like the loophole. So this is another really folksy one. It has its origins in Germanic folk magic, which I also think is interesting. I don't hear a lot about Germanic folk magic, so that's really cool. And the last one in this category I want to share is a prayer slash spell for the homeless. And I think this is beautiful, and I will admit I do this you take a few dollar bills and you dress them with any kind of lucky oil. You can find a lot of those or you can make it yourself or a road opening oil. That'd be a good one. And you make small crosses around the bill while praying Psalm 145.16, which is, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. So then when a homeless person or anyone asks you for money, you ask their name and then you say, Lord, open your hand and satisfy every righteous desire of my brother, sister, say their name. And then give them the bill, letting them know it's been dressed for good luck. Of course, you don't have to pray for them, but it is a nice gesture. And at least me living in the South, um, I know that a lot of the homeless are involved with some kind of church missions and charities. So oftentimes I'll come across someone asking for money and they're wearing a church shirt or a crucifix. Some of them even ask me where I go to church. So they typically don't mind. They're getting the cash, uh, but that's just a really wholesome working uh, that you can help out those down on their luck. All right, a few other short ones before we wrap up this section. Um, Exodus 6, verses 6 to 7, will protect you from immediate danger. That's kind of a long one. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. So that is to save from immediate danger. So you could have that written down in your pocket if you're going through some kind of risky situation or memorize that one. We also have Numbers 6, 24 to 27. And my sources say this is traditionally to protect you against the demonic, but this is a great protective psalm for, not psalm, protective verse for anything. It's a beautiful line in scripture. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So it's a beautiful prayer. And that can be used to protection against the demonic, but I think it's protection really against anything. 
Um, also another uh, fun one, Exodus 36, 8. It's a good luck in any new endeavor. Which is all the skilled craftsmen among the workmen made the tin curtains for the tabernacle. They were made of finely spun linen, as well as blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with cherubim skillfully worked into them. So that is good luck on any new endeavor. So like I've been reiterating, those can be used in various ways. Write them down, pray them over your tea, make some ashes of it. Nonetheless, the important part is the scripture and what's in the scripture. I think another interesting take on the Bible, something I hear often about is keeping someone in the Bible. I think it's a lovely gesture. This is very much gran granny magic. It's very much something your grandmother would do. And it's taking a picture or the name of a loved one and placing them by a certain scripture of the Bible. Usually Psalm 23 for protection. Um, Psalm 23 also talks about love uh, and also abundance. So that's a really common one, but it could just be the person's favorite uh, scripture passage. So that's a really common way to work with the Bible as well that I think is really lovely, is to put someone in the Bible. Very simple practice, but very common. And I can't do a podcast on folk Bible traditions without talking about keeping someone in the Bible. So let's move on to bibliomancy. I think this is a very fun practice that you see in, honestly, even in mainstream Christianity, which I think is funny because they're very much against divination, but they're not so much against opening up the Bible and let it revealing itself to you. Now, I did say that the Bible is a collection of texts, but that was not to downplay the magical nature of the Bible. It is very much a source of truth, but it is not the source of truth. It can be the source of your individual truth. So it's up to you to interpret these things. So I'm going to give you the more folksy bibliomancy than I'm going to give you actual proper Lexio Divina, which I've really been into lately. Now, bibliomancy at its core, you ask a question to the Bible, then you flip through it and open up the Bible whenever the Spirit tells you. There are some traditions that say you do it three times, and on the third time is when you stick for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or just third time's a charm. And you make, you stick your finger in the Bible without looking, you make a big circle and get smaller, smaller, smaller. And then where your finger lands, that is your answer. So let's say, for example, your question is, will so-and-so marry me? And you ended up on 1 Samuel 26, 13 which states, Then David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill far off, a great space between both of them. So since it indicates a great distance, the answer would be no. However, let's say you landed on Judges 18.6, which is, And the priest said unto them, Go in peace before the Lord is your way wherein ye go. So that would indicate a wedding, a peaceful marriage, and therefore yes. 
Um, or, of course, if you end up on, let's say, Psalm 66, 19, Verily God hath heard me, he hath attended to the voice of my prayer. That means you've hit the jackpot and all of your wishes will be granted. So there will be times where you're going to land on a verse and it's not going to give you an answer. Um, you can do the three where you look each time and see which one speaks to you, but there is a tradition here where people will say, well, the Bible doesn't have anything for me today. The Spirit doesn't have anything for me today. And that's fine too. There's also um, cledeomancy, which is divination by means of a key. So usually a key, a skeleton key, is suspended by a, rib a ribbon or a thread. And you ask the Bible something. So one method is to discover the name of a thief, an enemy, or a wrongdoer. So a large old-fashioned key is inserted into the Bible with the top loop of the key protruding from the pages. And then the Bible is closed and wrapped in silk ribbon. So the portion of the key that is protruding usually grasps that a little bit. And then you name off all the suspects. And it's said by the time that the key comes out, or if the key comes out on a certain name, that is the person who did it. And that's the hoodoo working is to find a, an evildoer, uh, but you can do that with a potential partner, a patron saint, so on and so forth. So that is your folksy hoodoo working with the Bible. Though there is a traditional way to get messages from the divine through the Bible, and this is used by Christians around the world, and they won't call it divination, and I see why because usually it's more, what are you telling, what do I need to hear today, God, period. Not tell me something about a specific situation. Who am I gonna marry? Uh, what do I need to know about my career? So I get why it's not your textbook divination. However, this practice still is God revealing something to you. And I have never been a Bible person. I just have not. It has never spoken to me. I know that is stereotypically Catholic of me. Um, I've just never vibed with it. I have such a personalized, probably to a fault practice that the Bible just didn't make sense to really use, aside from the Psalms. But this practice has really opened my eyes. Every time I have done this, I have gotten a message. So what you do is you take a piece of scripture. Now you can pick one at random. There are some prayer groups that might go through a whole book of the Bible together. Personally, what I do is I look up whatever the Catholic reading of the day is at church and then I use that. So what you do is first you sit down, usually in a tranquil space in front of your altar and you read a brief passage of scripture. So a few lines. Again, I take the reading from uh, the church, the daily reading, and you read it. And read it until a line sticks out to you, a few words, and then repeat those words to yourself. Next, you reflect. Meditate on that word or phrase that caught your heart. And then reflect on what you think it's trying to tell you. From there, you respond in prayer to what called to your attention. And then after that, you rest 
in God, contemplating his word to you. In other words, after you respond in prayer, you basically thank God and say something along the lines, may this teaching be tied to me so I do not forget it. I spoke about this in my Lent episode. One of the first times I did this, the daily reading was Jesus preaching and the children ran up to him and the disciples stopped the children. And that's when Jesus said, I'm going to mess the quote up, but along the lines of, let the children come for you must be like children to enter God's kingdom. So that was one of the first times I did Lexio was with that scripture. So for me, I read it. And what stood out to me was the children running up and Jesus letting them. Of course, that seems simple, but to me, this phrase was something I always heard and I didn't know the context. So the children running up and Jesus letting them stood out. And so I reflected on why did that stand out to me? And there was just something interesting about the children wanting to run up. As a child, what made them want to run up? What made them want to go forward? And then later saying you must be like children to enter God's kingdom. To me, that must have meant to me and my revelation that like these children, they were not scared to run towards what they wanted. They were not scared to run towards the divine. And it could have been the divine. In my moment, it was the divine. In your moment, it could have been a job opportunity or relationship. So that was what I got. I got, you know, these children were not scared to run up. And also the disciples stopped them, but they kept going. So what is trying to stop you? If it's your journey to God, what is trying to stop you? Is it authority figures that are trying to tell you to believe a certain way? Is it yourself? Do the disciples represent some hang-up you have that you are not willing to let go? So I reflected on all of that and I responded. Basically, my prayer to God was, God, let me be like these children and never be too afraid to run to you. And then I ended the prayer in, God, please tie a thread to you and to this teaching and to me so that it never leaves me. So all of that hoopla at the top of the episode where I talk about how the Bible can be a personal tool, this is what I mean. Lexio Divina is incredible and it is God speaking to you directly. There will be some scriptures that are confusing that just might not vibe with you and that's fine. That is totally fine. But there will also be times where you are going to be able to make a connection with something that is going on right now in your life and it's going to be very powerful. And again, this is called Lexio Divina. This is what Benedictine monks do in their monasteries. Uh, a lot of other monks do this in their monasteries as well. It is an incredible practice. So as a recap, this was a little bit shorter of an episode than I planned because I realized a lot of what I wanted to talk about, I've already talked about in the Psalm episodes. Um, I think the biggest takeaway here, guys, is finding scriptures that speak to you and using them just like you would use the Psalms. I've mentioned a few that are historical and traditional. Uh, the job interview working, the bleeding working, I think that's really cool. 
And also, I recommend everyone look into Lexio Divina, look into Bibliomancy. It's a fun way to work it into your practice. Personally, I like doing tarot, and then instead of doing clarity pulls with my tarot, I'll do a uh, some Bibliomancy with it. I think that's really fun. And also, I just want to, of course, put it out there again that these tools are made for you and your own personal path, your own personal spirituality. It is meant to assist you to commune with God more easily. So feel free to interpret texts a certain way. Feel free to read the Bible when you're doing Lexio Divina. Something might speak to you about protection, about healing. Great. Highlight it. Use that on your altar. Use that with your next novena. Use that in your jar, whatever it is you do. So I'm hoping this will ignite you to pick out a Bible, pick up a Bible, and begin to explore some of the power that is beyond those words. Now let's end this episode with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Dear God, I often speak about not those who seek God, but about the God who seeks us. About the God who is swirling in creation, God who is the source, God who can be found in everything and everyone, but we just have to quiet our minds, quiet our own chaos, so that we can see you seeking us. God, lately people have told me they don't feel you. They don't connect with you. God, please reveal yourself to them. Please let them know that you are not this man in the clouds with a beard looking down, but instead let them know that you are the feeling of breath in their lungs when they arise. that you are the rhythm of their favorite song that makes them move, that you are the joy in their favorite poem, in their favorite work of art, that you are the hand of a grandmother, you are the wisdom of a grandfather, that you are the corner of a smile in their face, stinging of tears, as they cry. You are the warm embrace. You are the slow echo in the back of their minds that keeps them going on when they feel all is lost. You are a lawyer in the courtroom. You are a doctor in the sick room. You are a banker in the bank. You're a confessor in the confessional. You're a friend at the table. You're a brother. You're a father. You're a mother. And even then, you are beyond that. God, you have so many ways to reveal yourself. Today we've been talking about words, we've been talking about lines, we've been talking about scripture, and I ask you to reveal yourself when my friends here touch a Bible, when my friends here read a psalm, when my friends here see imagery, poetry, hear music, all in your name. 
God the Father, show yourself. God the Son, show yourself. Holy Spirit, show yourself. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I have been your host, W. I look forward to recording and speaking to all of you again very soon. Stay tuned next week, same time, same place. And remember, God will reveal themselves to you. You just have to be aware. God bless you. Thank you.